Hi, Girl Boss Radio listeners. It's me, Sophia. <laughs> Just kidding. Obviously, I'm not Sophia. We have totally different voices and personalities. I'm Aurora James, founder and creative director of Brother Valleys, and I'm also the host of the podcast In Progress, An Imperfect Journey, and it's presented in partnership with Toomey. So you know, I'm part of the Girl Boss Radio Network family, which is why you're hearing my voice right now and not Sophia's. <laughs> So since In Progress came out, it has been so great hearing from listeners about their favorite moments on the show and just how much they enjoyed this new season. I'm going to talk a little later in the show about some of my favorite moments from the podcast, so stay tuned for that. And of course, if you haven't listened to the show, this is your chance to go binge listen. Don't forget to leave us a rating and a review, and most importantly, tell all of your friends. Okay, that's it from me right now. Hi, I'm Sophia Amoruso, founder and CEO of Girlboss, and this is Girlboss Radio, the show for and about ambitious women, exploring the wins, losses, and insights learned on the winding road to success. You know, I always love talking to all of the incredible guests we have here on Girlboss Radio, but I especially love when I get to chat with somebody who works in a field that I know a little about, and that's fashion. If you're listening to Girl Boss Radio and you followed my story, you probably already know this, or I hope you do, but I got my start selling clothes, vintage clothes on eBay, and then launched the fashion company Nasty Gal. And now, of course, I'm working on Girl Boss. I still wear clothes and I try to be stylish. I don't spend as much time on it. Today, I get to talk with someone about fashion and business who is a total power player. Her name is Carla Welch, and she is a renowned celebrity stylist and creative director in Los Angeles. Carla has worked with some of your favorite A-listers in Hollywood, like Ruth Nega, Olivia Wilde, Sarah Paulson, Tracy Ellis Ross, and so many other incredible women. Her influence in fashion is so big that she's been named one of the most powerful stylists by both The Hollywood Reporter and The New York Times. But Carla keeps it real about what it really means to be a stylist working with the best in Hollywood. I think if you're really into it, you have to have this passion and the ability to work really long hours and be like, no, sorry, you can't have Saturday off because we have to do something. We're at the real whim in celebrity styling and of reacting to our clients. But I think find people you love and, and understand when you go to work for someone, you're not working for yourself. You're working for your employee. You don't want to miss this conversation. Carla and I talked about how she got her big break while shopping in Barney's and what she looks for when creating those red carpet moments. Plus, she shares plenty of advice for all of us creatives out there. So let's get to it. Here's our conversation. Carla, welcome to Girl Boss Radio. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining all the way from from across from the canyon. <laughs> I start every episode with the same question okay. um, for everyone because we talk a lot about, and we're gonna talk about your career and your achievements, your talent, but we all have a start. Right. So what was your first job? Where, like, oh my God. Like any job, like like crap, Great. crappiest, earliest job. Oh, I've had so many. Although I don't really think they've ever been crappy because I've totally taken away stuff. So I had a paper route. Does that count as my first job? Yeah. Uh, and I actually had it in two ways. My brother had the paper route first, 
And he used to pay me 75 cents to do half of his route, which now is like fucking robbery when I think about it. I was like, what? I folded the papers. Like, I was 11 years old carrying a heavy bag, and I had to do the collections. And I made that was my candy money. Where'd you grow up? Power River, British Columbia, like a really, really small town in Canada. Was there anything that you learned from delivering newspapers that you apply to your work today or that has aided you in your career? Well, and I think I say this, I think that you can't be afraid to work hard. Like, I'm not afraid of manual labor. Like, sure, I'm in a really glorious job, but I appreciate people who have to do the tasks. I've been one of them. I think uh, what was interesting about the paper route was so when you had to like, so you delivered the paper and then every month you had to go to the houses and say, I need to be paid for it. And it would be amazing how many people kind of kind of would trying to shirk you off of getting paid. And I think that's like an indelible thing. I'm like, no, you need to pay me for my work. Have you had issues like uh, I want to get into your career, mm-hmm. but earlier in your career, mm-hmm. did you have issues getting paid for your work? Because as freelancers, and, sure. you know, solopreneurs, so many of our listeners, that is a really big concern of just like, OK, I'm doing all this work and these people don't pay me for months. A hundred percent. I think I've learned to be. And on credit, you know, my partner, Matthew, is my husband, with having a real, like, business acumen um, that I learned about, like, making sure everything was balanced and not just, like, blowing the load on, like... And actually, your book was so genius about that. I have a part where you your staff bought, like, all the air on chairs, and you're like, hell no, send them back. I feel very similar. I think you can't save the world if you can't pay the rent. And so, as a freelancer, I think that's a part of advice I always give everyone is, like, know when it's okay to work for free because there are those jobs that are big gains like they're forward facing it's like someone impressive sometimes you have to do things for free it's a form of advertising but you have to also know your value and say like I don't want to undercut my prices just to get the job so how did you break into the fashion I guess you fashion entertainment you're you're in the intersection of it but um, where was your start in fashion well, my dad had a clothing store, and I grew up, so that was like my other first job, working in his store, cleaning the like the glass shelves with Windex and dusting, and then I moved into retail service. So I've always had like a real love for it. I've always loved clothes, and then I kind of worked in the restaurant business for a while, and then... I met my husband who was a photographer. And at that time, that's when we were really seeing like what stylists did and editors did. And I was like, that's kind of what I want to do. And so I assisted a tiny bit. I didn't assist a lot, which is not advice I'd give anybody else. But it worked for me. Yeah, I just worked on all his jobs. Was there a moment, was it like a slow build or was there a moment where you had a break? You know, what was, was there a turning point in your career as a stylist? I think I'm like always at that turning point, to be completely honest. I mean, just this last year, I like had a run of work and I looked and I thought, oh, I'm super satisfied with where I am right now. And so I think every, I just don't rest on any kind of laurels. Maybe to my detriment, like I don't really ever look back. I'm really like done on to the next. But in terms of a big break, I think, you know, being married to a photographer was probably the greatest break I got. Then I worked with a... I actually hired an amazing assistant who knew more than me. So I've never been afraid of having smarter people or people who knew more or of asking questions. That was, and my my work ethic is my big break. Like I am just not afraid to do the work. 
What is the gnarliest? I mean, I think people look at stylists and they're like, oh my God, they get to shop they all shop the time. For a living. Hang out with celebrities. But like, what is the least glamorous part of the work? Like, what is, you know, what are the, what is the work your assistants are doing now that you were doing for so many years? I have this one assistant, Erica Cloud, who we kind of came up together. Like, she was my assistant for over 10 years. And we did like the gnarliest, grossest jobs where it was like, dress a hundred people like they're at a soccer match and like just not the glory jobs. Like, we'd be in the Beverly Center with like six H&M bags up our arms and like you can't take the elevators there because like the people who don't need to be in the elevator because they're just too lazy to take the stairs are in there and so you'd be going down the escalators and your arms would be bleeding because the plastic bags would be cutting into your arms so that kind of work was that for like a commercial job yeah commercials I did tons of commercials and like Getty images like literal like spec shoots and just like funny jobs. I once had a job where I had to like, they were like, can you do the art department too? And I like, you know me, like I get hives if I have to go to Home Depot. Like I hate it. And I was like, of course I can. And like we built a a laundry room, like just bananas. Like I just didn't say no to anything because I realized like I can take something away from this. Was there a moment where you got an agent or, you know, what, at what point did you like ramp up your game and say like, all right, I'm going to take this shit really seriously? Well, I think I took it seriously right from the get go, but I did get a big break now that you say that. I was um, prepping for a job with Feist, the singer Feist. This was, my God, 14 years ago, at least 14 or 15 years ago. And I was walking around Barney's. And I was pulling, and this woman, and I'm like really friendly, generally a really friendly person, <laughs> like generally, a little asterisk there. <laughs> I uh, was pulling this clothes, and this woman was following me, and I was like, why the fuck is this woman following me? And she said, excuse me, and I said, I don't work here. And she's like, I like everything about you. And she did this little wag of the finger. I said, oh, are you an agent? She's like, yeah, I'm Brick Wall. And at the time, I didn't know who Brick Wall was or the wall group. And I said, oh, we start chatting, and it turned out we had, like, a lot of, like, similarities. She was from Canada, all, all these kind of synchronicities. And then I went home, and I Googled the wall group. And, of course, I see, like, product campaigns come up and this and that. And I was like, holy fuck. So I emailed her right away. I was like, I'd love to chat. And she signed me then and there. So you get discovered... I got discovered in Barney's. Barney's. Sprinkle my ashes there, people. That is like... That's a little magic. I know. I have have a little magic in my life. Was this... When was this? 14 years ago, 15 years ago. Okay, so this was like when she couldn't have like found you on Instagram. There was no social media. I only got on social media a couple years ago. It's not as outlandish (laughs) to think about going to Barney's to look for stylish women who are pulling. You can tell when someone's pulling for other people too. So you can go there and be like, all right, who are the stylists? And I think maybe, but I mean, yeah, yeah. maybe, maybe not depending on how much you're pulling or if it's for men or, you know, yeah, for sure. Depending on or I don't even think she was recruiting people. I think she was just there shopping and she happened to see me. Smart woman. I know. So for other women who want to get into fashion or styling, what would your advice be for them? Because, you know, it's a it's everybody. Everybody wants to be in fashion. My last job was at the Academy of Art University in San Francisco, which has like a fashion program. And I watched like, I don't know, hundreds of like hopeful right. designers like waltzing in and out of there. Just like, oh, my God. And their berets and their ballet flats at the time. And it's just, you know. It's, oh, it's awful. It's a popular dream, but it's a really hard thing to mm-hmm. achieve. It's a tough industry. Yep. You know, it's pretty saturated. For someone who came to you and said, you know, Carla, where should I start? What would your advice be? 
I think you have to assist. I think you have to, first of all, get a real idea of what the landscape is. Like I could cure anybody of wanting to be a stylist because it's so taxing. I mean, in the last few weeks, I've been on countless planes. I've 70% of, of dinner meals were not with me. But I think if you're really into it, you have to have this passion and the ability to work really long hours and be like, no, sorry, you can't have Saturday off because we have to do something. We're at the real whim in celebrity styling and of reacting to our clients. It's not like I'm just like setting and saying, this is the idea. It's like, no, I'm running and I'm dressing and I'm zipping and I'm fitting. And after this, I'm running to a fitting in a different place because the client, you know, needs that. But I think find people you love and and understand when you go to work for someone, you're not working for yourself. You're working for your employee. Like, I don't want a bunch of stylists. I want stylist assistants. When I, I one of some of my formative years, I worked at a restaurant called Vidges in Vancouver. And I did everything for my boss. It was his name on the door. And I need it to be the best he needed. And that's what I need from my employees because that's what I give to my clients. What are the qualities of a great stylist? In my field, I can only really speak on, I mean, of course I do like advertising and I do shows, but the basis of what I do is celebrity. So I think for me, the best thing I can do is really bring to life the best qualities of my ta- of the people I work with and be their advocate and work hard for them. And I think a great stylist can like do it seamlessly no pun intended, of course, but like bring out the best in the women I work with. Hi listeners, it's Aurora James here. I'm the founder and creative director of Brother Valleys, and I'm also the host of the podcast In Progress, an imperfect journey brought to you by Girl Boss in partnership with Toomey. Like I mentioned at the top of the show, it's been a little while since we wrapped up this new season of In Progress, and I kind of just wanted to take a quick trip down memory lane. One of my favorite conversations was with Beat Simkin. She is a healer who lives in Montauk right now, but like grew up with her dad, who was like a shaman, and then kind of went on this really long, dark journey through drugs and like horrible boyfriends and made it out on the other side, which was very mind-blowing for me. I also talked to Tiffany Aliche, who could not be more different than me because she's amazing with money. And she sort of helped me self-correct. And I think that hopefully it'll help you self-correct. And those were honestly just some of the conversations. We have laughed. We have cried. We have grown. We have really taken the journey. Making this podcast in partnership with Toomey has been so special, and I really hope you guys have enjoyed it. And if you haven't gotten a chance to listen, this is your chance. Consider this your friendly nudge to check out In Progress. And if you've already listened, you're amazing. Thank you. But have you gone ahead and rated and reviewed the show? It really helps us reach new people, and I think that people need to hear this podcast. And plus, I always love a good podcast recommendation. So go ahead and share in progress with your friends. They will thank you. Okay, that's all for now. Bye. Okay, now let's get back to our chat with Carla. You know, people 
we're so tied up in our identities and you're shaping people's identities in a really big way. You know, these are often actors who are like, well, they, they're vessels for their directors. job is being a blank slate. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And there's a whole science to building people, you know, getting them on the best dress list, getting them in the magazines that promotes, you know, their careers. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you bring your point of view to a client and also look at like, say like, you know, someone who's just starting out pretty blank slate, you know, this, how do you assess like, hey, this is this is the direction I think you should go? So I have this thing that I say, and it's very witchy. I like really conjure a muse. I'm so internal. Maybe it's because I'm a Virgo, but I've always been that way since I was a kid. I've never really need external sources. Like I'm a real introvert in posing as an extrovert, maybe. Uh, I don't even know how that works. The world will force you to be in. I think we're both in the same boat here. Yeah. So I think about, like, I really, really, really think about that client. When they come in, we we talk. And I never, like, pull mood board or pictures. Maybe when it comes to uh, beauty time, I do. But I think about um, who they are and what projects we're working on and who they are as women or men. And it just, I kind of meditate on it. And it might take three days it might come to me that night but I can wake up in the middle of the night and say I know what we're gonna do and then we follow that do you advise on everything like hair makeup mm-hmm. like not just because like you can put someone in a great dress but hand them off to yes, you know other you people who are gonna like give them fuck put, it up put their hair down <laughs> when they have a high neck <laughs> 100% I mean you, you know you know <laughs> we're talking put your hair up exactly yeah I like to say I'm like the captain of the ship how do you get that kind of trust? Like, do do you feel resistance from your clients? Um, you know, how do you talk, you know, because they're out there, like they're, every part of their body is being photographed oh down I to know. like the like little bit of leg hair that they forgot on their ankle. How do you work with people and their insecurities and their body image stuff to say like, hey, this is this is a whole new direction for you. I know you don't like having things, wearing things that have a waist, but like here like right try something more fitted and you know people think they can't pull things off like what is that relationship like because it's very personal yeah it's super intimate like I see and I think it's kindness and you know you're a part-time psychologist but I have a thing where I say your issues are not an issue like there's nothing that we can't solve and there's nothing we can't fit like nobody's cookie cutter and I think Something if you look at my history of clients and the women I work with, it's like they're not sample size. And, you know, for the longest time, there wasn't any merit in dressing women over 35 or 40. And then I'll actually say I think Netflix has totally changed that and HBO changed it because the landscape of TV became where all these meaty roles were. And all of a sudden it was like women we're doing it. And I had so many of those clients and I feel like I really helped push that needle where I was like, no, you need to dress so-and-so because she's amazing it's not about just what her body looks like or her face looks like it's who it's the meritocracy of their work and their humanity so I just don't get stressed out about that I know when I can push a client and I I think when people work with you you know you're getting a pretty directorial stylist but also I'm very collaborative I'll never if someone doesn't feel great I'm never going to make it where just for the points you said like they're so out there that I want my part of their thing to be like the celebration because at that point the work's done you're you're celebrating a role you're celebrating your project and like fashion's fun and I love besides like one of the greatest things about being a stylist is for as a fashion lover which I know you can relate to is that I get to bring to life the work of designers and that to me is like the best 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 part of my job 
Is there a favorite celebrity that you've worked with? Is there a favorite look that you've had? Like, are there some... You can't. You probably don't want to say that, right? I probably don't want to say that either. I mean, what's my favorite look? I, there's so many. Like, I honestly, if I don't love a look, I won't let anybody wear it. I'm that, and and that's maybe my, also where I'm not nostalgic. I mean, I love all my looks. That's like picking a favorite kid. It's hard for me to pick a favorite because I honestly love everything. I don't want to send a look out if I don't love it, and. I don't get nostalgic. I really just keep moving forward. Like yesterday, Ruth Naga wore, which won't be yesterday for you listeners, but wore this incredible Gucci gown, and I loved it so much. And she's like, this is one of my favorite looks. Was there a moment where you were like, Gucci was like, yes, you can. We will work with you. I mean, I, for oh, every for designer. Sure. Of like, course. Those are the know, best like moments. Now it's just like, of course. but No, not really. There's always people they say no to. But getting those, yeah. I remember when Chanel, like, I got my first present from Chanel. I mean, I must have, like, <laughs> I remember being in my old office, and they're like, oh, Christmas present came from Chanel. I was just like, I'm going to cry. I made it. I made it. I made it. Yeah. You did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> How would you describe your aesthetic as a stylist? Mm, for your clients. I think it's pretty, like, sharp. There's a little tomboy. It really, I'm not, I don't like superfluous. I like a really clean directional fashion look I think it always fits great because we spend a lot of time tailoring and making things perfect I think it's just the best version of that person in that moment are there characters through history women men that you look to for inspiration like iconic you know personalities whose style you pull from when you're thinking about putting looks together not really. There's no... But I love knowing my history. Like, I'm a film buff. I'm a music buff. Like, I love kind of you know, art. I like learning, like, nonstop. I think if we could go back to school now, I'd get straight A's for sure because I would pay attention. I know. Me too. Fuck. People say, like, what would you do if you weren't doing this? And I'm like, I'd go to art school. Oh, my God. Me too. Except I would not do well at art school. But I always think... Oh my husband and I talked about this the other day. We want to try to figure a way to implement it for employees. Like, you could have one or two days a month for continual education. Just go do something that you want to learn and go learn it hard. Like, imagine if we got offered that. Imagine if I offered it to myself. Imagine if we offered it to ourselves. I mean, let's start we could there. start school. Okay. I, don't, I was Googling online courses. Like, I need a hobby. So you deal with a lot of personalities, a lot of yeah. really great, really talented people, people you love working with. I think... You know, in in the I guess it's not the service, in it, but you're working. Yeah, I'm in service. Okay, for sure. I'm sure there's been times where you've like had a breaking point and mm-hmm. said, you know what, like Go I yourself. wow, I should be so feel so lucky to work with this person, but you know what, like fuck yeah. this. Yeah. Is there a moment where the time that that happened? Yes. Tell me about it. Was kind of in the early stages of my career, and I was to do three days of shooting with this unnamed talent, and nobody cared. <laughs> and so I had all these clothes that I like cobbled together, and there were tons, and there were plenty of good options, but this person was just not going to have it, and was just mean for the sake of being mean. And so you have nothing, and it's like, well, who the fuck do you think? You know, I couldn't say who the fuck do you think you are because I, I wasn't anybody either. And I would never say that anyways, but uh, it was the longest three days of my life. felt like three years. But then I was like, and I remember I called my agent. And I was like, you just need to get me off of this shoot because it's just not going to work. 
and she wouldn't. <laughs> and so I had to suck it up. It was terrible. I was like, oh, you're a horrible human. Was the person even as like famous as they thought they were? No. <laughs> no, they're no, they're not. Uh, so it's like you just kind of have to sometimes fucking grin and bear it. What would your advice be for someone who would have to take that on directly? Like, I, I think a lot of us don't have an agent to handle that for us. Like, if you were to handle that yourself, mm-hmm. would you have stayed on the job? What would you have done? Well, the great thing about getting older and experienced is you realize how much your ego is not your amigo, to quote Tony Alva, which is actually up in my office, and that you can just, you can get through anything, actually. So... And there's no, sometimes you got to release it where you're just like, I'm not going to get super stressed out. Like that kind of stuff could bring me to tears and ulcers. And you have to care deeply because if you don't care, what's the point of doing your job? Like I care deeply. I care deeply about a half an inch of a hem. And I care deeply that everybody's happy. My dad's store was a real store of service where the customer came in. You're like, hello, how can I help you? And you sold them clothes. Like... And I don't think that behavior flies anymore. Yeah. No, it's kind of dated to say like, hey, it's a privilege for you to eat at this restaurant. Or it's a privilege 100%. for you to store. It's like, you no, know No, it's what? a privilege to get to help somebody, by the way. It's like, for me, I'll show up with like a dirty diaper on my head. I'm like, if I can afford to eat here, like, I don't give a exactly. shit about your attitude. And yeah. <laughs> like, I'm gonna... It's the pretty woman <laughs> moment where you're like, big mistake, dude. Yeah. Yeah. So you're busy. And you mentioned mm-hmm. missing family dinner a lot. You're mm-hmm. traveling a lot and at the whim of these, you know, this talent, you know, mm-hmm. style. They're getting photographed every day. It's being shared on social media. Mm-hmm. It's moving faster and faster. And they probably, I don't know if they've changed outfits multiple times a day and go out and, you know, dance yeah. in front of the paparazzi and just have an outfit for <laughs> Not that. Not quite. That I don't mean, really yes. know yes, how yes, it yes. works. How do you manage to fit in self-care? Well, I'm getting better at the balance. Like, I have an amazing team and If I can cut out early one day, I will. But, you know, people are hiring me. They're not hiring my assistants to fit them. And I think that's a key thing if you really want to make it as a stylist. It's your name on the door, which I said earlier. I can relax really fast. So if I'm not super busy, like, that coach is mine. And my family enjoys. We all love, like, being coach potatoes and watching movies or just hanging out and being in the garden. Hi, I'm Maya from the marketing team here at Girlboss, and I want to let you know that this episode of Girlboss Radio is brought to you by LaCroix Sparkling Water. LaCroix was developed to give health-conscious consumers refreshment, flavor, and sparkle with an innocent twist of zero calories, zero sweeteners, and zero sodium. All of LaCroix's flavors are confirmed to be derived from natural sources with natural fruit essences. Try the new Nicola flavors, which include coconut cola, Cubana, and Coffee Exotica, which join LaCroix's original La Cola. LaCroix's product labels are changing to comply with new federal regulations to the nutrition panel, even though LaCroix has a zero on every line. Made with only flavor ingredients certified as natural and no caffeine or alcohol, each LaCroix product is Whole30, non-GMO, and produced without a BPA liner. With its distinctive packaging, robust aroma, and natural essence, LaCroix is the innocent alternative for health-conscious consumers. You can join the LaCroix community on social at LaCroix Water. That's L-A-C-R-O-I-X Water. And for more information and a full list of retailers, visit LaCroixWater.com. Again, that's L-A-C-R-O-I-X Water.com. 
So you have a brand called X Carla. Yeah. And you recently had a quote in Glamour magazine that talked about how you combine politics with design. Mm-hmm. And you said, of course I do collaborations that get paid. That's my job. I have to work. But there's not a single project I do now with X Carla that doesn't have a social justice contribution. Can you give me an example of this? And what advice would you have for someone to start to integrate activism into their career? Well, this was a real um, turning point for me because a little back history backstory is that I wanted to join the Peace Corps when I was like in college. I was kind of aimless and not aimless because I always like knew things were good. I didn't really stress out, but they were like, well, you have no skills. And I was like, oh, fuck, I don't have any skills. Like they wanted nurses and doctors and carpenters. They wanted people who could do stuff. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't do anything. And it happened on my first collaboration with um, Levi's. The the project was I was recreating the 501s, this 501 collaboration for 501 Day. And I had this idea that I only wanted it to be women. And I kept on saying, they kept on saying, oh, so Kasimans. I was like, no, 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 no. And I gathered up all this talent. Like, if you see it, it's like Amber Valletta and Tracy Ellis Ross and Mackenzie Davis and Sarah Paulson, Holland Taylor. Like, we ended up with like 25 amazing women. And they all came for free. And this is right after... I said to them, "Listen, there has you're I'm getting all this talent for free. I want a big donation. I want you guys to make this all a giveaway." And they said, "Okay, we're going to do it. What do you want to do?" And I said, "I want to do it to every town for gun safety." And they were like, "Oh, I'm kind of okay. Well, yeah, yeah." And then Parkland happened. And they were like, "Okay, we're going to do it. We're going to donate the value of your full collection to every town." And we're going to commit to gun safety as part of our greater platform, which was in the works. But this, like, hurried it well up. And in that moment, too, Yoko Ono. And it was this. Actually, this is one of the best moments of my career. I was in New York and the phone rang. And in the meantime, I always was doing this ad campaign and we do all the creative. And there's this um, Yoko Ono piece. And it says this line is a part of a bigger circle. And I always thought well, we're all that line, and we make a circle, and that was really what informed all the creative, and I found this Yoko Ono song, my editor did, actually, called Yang Yang. It's like says, join the revolution. And I thought, I'm going to ask Yoko Ono, and they were like, no, 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 no. Yoko Ono's not going to do this. And so I wrote a hand letter, and I drew a picture for her, and I photographed it, and I sent it just to her. And they came back, and so I had a phone call, and they were like, we're going to give the money to every town. And Yoko Ono said you could have her song. And I was like, got the phone, and I cried. And I'm not even that sentimental, but I cried. And I was like, there, I found out how I can do something. And so for me, it was like, it's, wasn't that, I'm not even famous. But I had enough leverage to say to this company, I want you to do this in exchange for me doing that. So it's like, why the fuck isn't everybody doing that? It's not hard. Can you imagine, like, on a bigger level? And I'm sure many talent do do that, but I just happen to make it a really forward-facing thing of what I do. So now I don't do anything without a give back. Wow. So you're identified as one of the most powerful stylists, both by The Hollywood Reporter and The New York Times. What, is, does, what, is the, what does that mean to you? I don't know. I mean, it's nice. Of course it's nice. It's like the recognition of your peers, and it's great. It all contributes to where I've ended up 
because my greatest thing is like, yeah, I love fashion. I love, 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 love it. But I am so about going back to that person who wanted to join the Peace Corps. Tell me about the meritocracy. So meritocracy is my creative company with my husband, Matthew. And we art direct, we direct films, we do all the creative behind anything ex Carla. Because another thing I've learned is like, man, I'm sure you'll relate to this. You better be in charge of your own image and your own destiny. I did a collab that someone had brought to me and it just was like an embarrassment, to be honest, because I was like, oh my God, this doesn't, this is like really, really bad. Like I'm very, very much not okay with how this turned out. And I just realized that I'm a control freak and I want it to be exactly the way I want it to be. <laughs> I want to control other people's identities. Control. Yeah, <laughs> But it's mainly for me and other things, but we just did an amazing like ad campaign with Lily Aldridge. And it's just fun. It's so fun to get to a point where you can flex other parts of your brain. And maybe it's that wanting to be an artist and be a creative. And I love being commercial. Like, I love commercial work. I love advertising. So it's being able to kind of add to that and, like, direct and art direct. And I, it's just fun. And you have an app that just came out. Yes, I do. Download everybody. It's called Wishy, as in Wish I. And it is an online personal styling app and it's all these amazing personal stylists that I've picked and kind of guided in my process that it can bring to everybody kind of help you navigate the world of online shopping or even your own closet fresh eyes and have your looks put together we can help you should I do it yeah I need I need I'll do you on it though okay yeah oh my god I'm gonna do people like every month I'll do a few people because it's forty dollars but I'll do you on it yeah, I need to get rid of like half my closet. I was at Emily Weiss's house. She's the founder of Glossier. Yes. And I just thought it was because she had a New York apartment or something. It was just like, she has amazing pieces, but she she just keeps it like pared down. She's like, yeah, I don't keep stuff around. Like her closet is like, it's really great stuff, but it's not. I look at mine and I'm like, what is all this nostalgic shit? Oh, I feel like I'm feeling. supposed to have like a vintage archive mm -hmm. or something like that. Like. I don't know. How do you escape nostalgia? Personally, are you you're not personally? Not uh, my closet is where all my nostalgia is. Okay. Right. It's like a disgrace. So you're not immune to it? No, of course not. Okay. All right. Good. So if, if someone doesn't, just for our listeners, mm -hmm. so many people are like, where do I start with my style? You know, it's like it comes naturally for some of us. Mm -hmm. Others are willing to take more risks. What would, you, what would your recommendation be if we don't know where to start? Well, I recommend you go to my app <laughs> and we help you with that. I think you find that thing that you feel amazing in. It doesn't have to be trendy, but if you love that, just keep looking like, I think that's one of the greatest things about Instagram and social media is that you can see like pretty individual, amazing style and be inspired by it. Like, yeah, that's a tough question. I mean, not everybody can have a, well, I guess now you all can have a stylist. What am I talking about? Go on, go online. But I think it's seeing people, if you really are lost, look at people's work that you love, look at style icons you love and kind of emulate them and then it'll eventually come so one of the things we talk a lot about on girl here at girl boss on girl boss radio is this concept of success which is like yes you're very accomplished you know you work with really like famous people you know you have a great career but success is so so much more than that it can be just that and sometimes sure. for periods of our life or for some people's whole lives success is like career it's like career right. career money career what does success mean to you now? I think overall, like, happiness is success for me. And I know that's such a broad, like, dumbass thing to say. But 
I think when you can reach a point of satisfaction of where you're at, that's successful. And also wanting to keep being better. And also for me, you know what? I know I said I miss those dinners, but I kind of, and it, it can become a grind when you have a family, but for me, I, I can acknowledge the fact that I'm okay with that I miss stuff because my career very much satisfies me and makes me incredibly happy. And I know my kid is proud of me, even though like if I could take back, you know, a few years and be more focused on them, I would. But like, I'm pretty fucking great with what I've done for myself. And it was cute. I was just visiting my parents and they were having lunch with them. And I come from a really, really small town and total like worker, like my parents are workers. And they were like, we're so proud of you. Like, look what you've made of yourself. Because I wasn't this straight A student. Like, I was a stoner. I wasn't, like, paying attention. And they were so proud. And I was like, wow, that feels like success. Yeah, when your parents are proud of you and oh. they have no more work to do. Yeah. They're like, stop paying your bridge tolls or, what, <laughs> totally. you know, <laughs> my fast tickets. pass oh lane my or, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, when you get off their insurance or, mm-hmm. you know, stop. Like, whatever those things are, I think. And when your your mom's, my mom, you know, eventually starts getting nervous being like, what can I do? How can I help? It's like, yeah. actually, I'm fine. They yeah. they don't love it, actually, but they're proud. When, when you see your parents are proud of you, there's something amazing there. Yeah, the goal is to make yourself redundant, I think, eventually as a parent. What was your most recent girl boss moment? So a girl boss moment, just in case you don't know, is a time in your most recent history, something you were just really proud of. I think, like, knowing I could work in kind of different avenues and not be, like, afraid of it. Because I think for so long, people want to put you in one one little thing. Like, oh, you couldn't direct. You're a stylist. You're this far down the call sheet. And I'm like, no, oh. hold my beer. I <laughs> hold can't. Hold my beer. <laughs> hold my beer. Hold my icy Corona with lime. Um, so I think that kind of admitting to yourself that it's okay to be more than one thing is a real girl boss moment for me. Because you shy away. Sometimes we get afraid to say out loud what we really want to do. You have to say it out loud. You have to say it out loud, people. And then you have to name it and be like, I do this. Yeah. So, yeah, the only difference between the people doing what you want to be doing and you is that they're doing it. Yeah. So if you want to be like that, you just go and do it. You got to do it. Yeah, cool. All right, Carla, thank you so much for coming on Girlboss Radio. Thank you so much for having me. Super fun. That's our show for today. Thank you so much for joining us on Girlboss Radio and a big thank you to Carla for coming on the podcast. I hope you enjoyed our chat as much as I did. And if you did, I want to remind you that you can leave us a rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. I read them all and they really do help new listeners discover us. They help us improve. And if you're looking for a new podcast to listen to, you can check out Lip Stories, our podcast with Sephora Collection. The season just wrapped. You can hear me on the podcast in a special bonus episode we just released. It was recorded in front of a live audience at Sephoria, so be sure to check it out. Remember to follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye! Bye!